Well, good morning, TBA. Happy New Year. How are y'all today? Fantastic. Awesome. So we begin a new year, right? Which is great. A new beginning, a new hope for the future, new resolutions, renewed commitment, all great things. But let me ask you a question. Is your life better today than it was a year ago? I mean, if you look back over this last year, are things better? Are they the same? Are you still struggling with the same things you were struggling with a year ago? The reason I ask this is because this is the time where we make resolutions to change things in our lives. We renew our commitment, we reset, and we try to, again, to conquer whatever is in our lives that we know we need to change. But here's the truth about resolutions. We rarely hold to our resolutions. Only about 14% of people actually hold to their New Year's resolutions all year long. And if you're like me, there are some things in your life that a resolution just isn't going to fix. There are some burdens in my life that no matter how determined I am to fix them, I know that I can't because, man, I'm telling you, I've tried. I've tried over and over and over again, and it's just not possible in my own strength and power. No matter how hard I try, I fail over and over again, and oftentimes I'm left feeling hopeless and desperate, desperate for a healing touch from the Lord, desperate for a miracle Because some things in my life, to be honest, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a miracle. How many of you need a healing touch from the Lord today? How many of you are looking for a miracle in your life? Maybe your last year was great and your relationship with the Lord is growing stronger every day. And maybe you have a special blessing to be free from any major burdens in your life right now. If that's you, man, thank God. And praise God that that's where he has you right now. And ask him how he wants you to help others around you who are struggling. Because I know that there are a lot of us in this church that are still struggling with major things. And we're looking for a miracle from the Lord. As I was preparing this message, I went into the war room to pray. And to see what others in our church were praying for. And I've got to tell you, standing there and reading those prayers on the wall... My heart was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by it. And if you haven't been in there yet, man, I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you, go in there, look around, read what people are praying for, sign up yourself, spend some time in the war room praying because this church is in desperate need of a body of believers that will get on their knees and seek the Lord out. But standing in there, my heart was overwhelmed by the outpouring of each person's heart as they were crying out to God. Because we have mothers in our church who are crying out to the Lord for their children that have gone astray. We have fathers asking for deliverance from anger and control issues. We have marriages that are on the verge of divorce and in deep distress. We have others that are recently divorced and they're looking for healing. We have some that are asking for broken relationships to be mended. Some struggling with unforgiveness and the destruction that it causes. We have others looking for freedom from addiction. And we have many, many families praying for family members and friends who don't know the Lord and are desperate for the, to bring them to salvation in Jesus. We have so many burdens in this church. So many. And so I don't think it's coincidental that the last few messages that the Lord has been speaking to this church body about is about finding healing in Jesus. 
If you were here Christmas Eve, you heard Brian talk about the desperation of the woman who had a bleeding issue and her deep desire for healing. So deep was her desire that she thought, if all I can do is touch the hem of his cloak, I'll be healed. And what Brian was telling us is that sometimes we have to be that desperate for Jesus. And we have to cling to him because he's all that we have. He's all that we got. And last week, Ariel's message was about trusting God in his time, that God wants to do big things here at TBA and in our lives. And if we'll be a church that submits, if we submit to him and we trust in his time and in his way of doing things, then God will move. Not in our ways, but in his ways, in God's ways. So I don't find it surprising that in our F260 reading this week, we come upon the story of Naaman, who was in desperate need of healing. And he was healed in a very unusual way. See, it was God's way, not his way. But by doing it God's way, Naaman was healed, and he had a healing that changed his life forever. So let's get into the story and see what God has for us today. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, open up to Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramanian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. And one day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria, and he would heal him of his leprosy. See, Naaman was the man of his day. He was the man, the military leader of the region's most powerful nations. He was definitely a candidate for the who's who in the world of his time. He was the cream of the crop, and he lived among the elite. I mean, look how he's described. He's a commander. He's great, highly regarded, victorious, mighty. He was a man who had power, position, and prestige. He was successful. He was a winner. He was wealthy. He was a hero. He was respected, and he was admired, and he was envied by everybody around him. But... A three little word, a small word that changes everything. But though he was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. See, he could think about all of his accomplishments. He could enjoy his power and position and his prestige. He could admire his home and his wealth, but they all seemed meaningless as he looks into the mirror each day. Because each time he looks at himself, there was something that looked back at him that defined his life. He was a leper, and nothing could change that fact. See, leprosy was the most feared disease of the day. It was extremely contagious, and in many cases, it was incurable. And in most forms, it led to death. Now, my guess is Naaman's leprosy at this time was probably in its infant stage because he had concealed it, but now his clothing wouldn't cover it up anymore. And while people still treated him with respect, nobody would touch him. See, lepers were isolated and humiliated. They were outcasts. They were the original untouchables. They were forced to wear clothing that was torn, and they had to shout unclean any time they encountered an uninfected person. And the Jews had one rule for lepers, and that was quarantine. Because there wasn't a cure, if you were declared a leper, you were run out of town, and even your family wouldn't have anything to do with you. 
Can you imagine going through life without ever being touched? Without somebody holding your hand when you were lost? Without somebody rubbing your back when it's sore? Without somebody giving you a high five when you're celebrating? Without hugs from those that you love? See, Naaman didn't have to imagine it. It was his reality. And like Naaman, we all long for meaningful touch. Why is it that when I'm away from my wife and my son, I long for their embrace? Why do we put our arms around those who are grieving? Why is it that we sympathetically pat the shoulder of the defeated athlete? Why do we bear hug long lost friends? Why do we hold our babies? And why is it that when our kids are sad, they say, hold me, mommy, hold me, daddy. It's because touch brings comfort. Touch conveys acceptance. Touch promotes health. Touch imparts wholeness. And the lack of touch hurt Naaman deeply. By the way, what's hurting you deeply? What is your leprosy? What problem are you trying to conceal? What hurt are you trying to cover up? What prevents you from getting close to other people? Because like Naaman, we all have our disfigurements. And like Naaman, we've we've become very proficient at covering up our problems. And like Naaman, we also need God's healing touch. So what do we do? Where do we find help? Where do we go for healing? Well, in one word, we go down. And while down is contrary to the direction we're encouraged, challenged, and even rewarded to go in our world, down is the way we must go if we're to find healing. Down is the route we must take if we're going to feel the healing touch of God. Look at verse four. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. And the the king said, go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, and I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And the letter... To the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent a message to him and said, Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Albana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Now I want you to notice the contrast in Naaman's journey. Here's Naaman, the commander-in-chief, And he finds direction through a captive servant, his wife's slave. Naaman the conqueror finds help in a conquered nation, Israel. 
Naaman, the highly regarded man, learns of treatment from a lowly prophet, Elisha. And Naaman, the wealthy and valiant soldier, is told the cure can be found in a dirty river called the Jordan. So what can we learn from Naaman's downward descent? Well, the first thing we can learn is that we need people in our lives who will look past our pride and see our hurt. See, Naaman's wife had a servant who had been taken hostage from a raid into Israel. And now she served in Naaman's home, tending to his wife's every need. And she wasn't intimidated by Naaman's power, his position, or his prestige. She saw his pain, and she called it by name, knew of a pain reliever, and told Naaman where he could find help. See, we need humble people in our lives who look past our job titles, look past our bank accounts, our cars, our homes, and see our loneliness and need. People who will see the hurt in our lives, people who will touch us at our point of need. We need people who will call out our problems like they see them, people that will see our blind spots. We need people in our lives who love us enough to not let us make stupid mistakes. See, I can't imagine my life without people like Brian Legg and Brian Stiverson in it. Those guys are, are brothers in my life who are willing to risk our friendship to tell me what I need to hear. Now, I don't always like what they have to say, but honestly, at times it makes me mad and it's difficult for me to swallow. But man, they love me enough to speak truth to me. And there are no areas in my life that are off limits. Purity, marriage, parenting, my relationship with the Lord, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's all open for discussion. My whole life is before them. See, we need people in our lives who are willing to speak truth in love to us. People who are willing to walk through the pain with us. People who are willing to be in it for the long run. People who believe the best in us and are willing to help us become even better. See, these relationships are called balcony people. Everybody has balcony people and basement people in their lives. Basement people drag you down. Balcony people lift you up. Who are the balcony people in your life? Who are the people pulling you up? Who are the people that believe the best about you and are helping you to become the best? Who are the people that will look beyond your outward appearance and see your inward hurt? I mean, if you don't have those people in your life, I would highly encourage you to begin building those relationships immediately. You need to build them now. You need to do it now, either through a D group or a small group or at CR, Celebrate Recovery, some form of Christian community. It is essential. It's essential to your journey towards healing. The second thing we can learn from Naaman's descent is that we need places in our lives that will provide us safety and security. Israel was a conquered nation. To Naaman, it was a second-rate, third-world country. And what did, it, what did it have to offer him? Well, from a worldly perspective, not very much. But spiritually, it provided refuge for him. Have you seen those businesses that have this yellow safety place sign in front of their windows? This sign indicates to lost and confused children that this place is a place of safety. If they're in danger, the children know that all they have to do is to get to this place with a yellow sign in it, and they will find a caring adult that will protect them from harm. See, we need those places in our lives. And our church needs to be a place for those 
seeking spiritual refuge. See, this church is more than just a building. It's a group of believers who come together and praise and worship our God, a place where we can come together collectively and be on our knees and seek him. And if you're honestly seeking to feel the touch of God, you'll find it here. You can discover it here. See, the nation of Israel is presented throughout Scripture as a metaphor for the church. And the church should be a safe place, a place that gives a caring touch to an uncaring world, a place that provides sanctuary, protection, and comfort for those who are hurting and seeking relief, a place that extends a supportive and oftentimes healing hand to those who are in trouble. Do you realize that we have people that come to our church and experience the Lord, but who will not experience him again until they come back the next week? See, that's why it's so vital that you, as a body of believers, are here consistently week in and week out to be used by God to help others around you. You may not think it's a big deal when you're not here, but the impact is greater than you know because we have a world that is drowning in darkness. And this body of believers is a reflection of the light of Christ in that darkness. But we can only be light if we are present here, available, to offer that hope to those who are seeking it. See, Israel was a safe place for Naaman. But what would have happened if Elisha was too busy to instruct him? Well, he wouldn't have found the healing for his disease. But even more importantly, he wouldn't have found healing for his soul. The third thing we can learn from Naaman's descent is that our cure isn't always what we think it's going to be. So Naaman goes to Elisha in Samaria. And if Israel was a second-rate, third-world country, well, then Samaria would have been the trash pile in that second-rate, third-world country. Samaria was despised even by the Israelites. And when Naaman arrives at Elisha's house, which probably wasn't very spectacular, especially compared to the palace of the king of Israel, but when when Naaman arrives, what does Elisha do? He sends out his servant. See, Naaman had willingly traveled to the prophet's remote house to ask for healing. But when Elisha's servant shows up at the door with instructions for the cure, he's incensed and he's outraged and he becomes angry. And Naaman almost rejects his opportunity for healing by getting angry that Elisha didn't show up to greet him at the door. See, Naaman was a big shot in his country and he wanted a big shot prophet to meet him at the door and heal him. He wanted this prophet to jump and shout and dance and put on a big show for his healing to occur. See, God doesn't always send blessings in the people that we want or in the vehicle that we want. See, oftentimes he uses ordinary means to accomplish his healing. And sometimes I think we treat God like a genie in a bottle. And we want him to wave his hand over us and make all of our problems disappear and go away. And when things don't work out that way, or we're not delivered in the way that we want to be delivered, well, we get angry at God and we blame him for all our troubles. Or we simply refuse to walk the simple path of healing that he's put before us. Because we don't see how simple things like consistent prayer, being in God's word, worshiping his name, consistent involvement with other believers, we don't see how those simple things can bring the healing we need. And I think Elisha doesn't come out to meet him 
Because God needed to heal Naaman's heart, which was full of pride, before he healed his physical body. See, God is more concerned with the condition of our hearts than he is about our circumstances. Let me say that again because I think we miss that way too often. God is more concerned about your heart than he is with your circumstance. Naaman's pride caused him to be stubborn. If I don't do it my way, well, then it's no way. If Naaman didn't get healed the way he wanted to be healed, well, I'm just not going to get healed then. See, he was willing to give up on his healing just to keep his pride. And it's hard to imagine his stubbornness when we read it, but man, we do it all the time, don't we? We do the exact same thing. So often I see marriages destroyed, families broken apart, friendships lost, all because somebody wanted to keep their pride intact. Let me ask you this. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to keep your pride intact? Because some of you won't admit you're wrong. You won't compromise on petty issues. You won't admit your need for help all because you want to hold on to your pride. See, Naaman was going to leave Elisha's place and he was going to leave with his pride intact. But there was just one problem. He was still a leper. Naaman would leave with his pride, but his leprosy would still remain. And this cure that the Lord had for Naaman, it's a test. It's a test of his submission and obedience. Which brings us to the last thing we can learn from Naaman's descent. And it's this. And it's this. The prescription for healing is always this. Submission. It's submission. Elisha's instructions for healing were bizarre. Go wash in the dirty Jordan River seven times. Can you imagine what Naaman's thinking at this point? I mean, let's retrace his downward descent. Remember, he's the second most powerful person in the land. And he receives instructions from a slave girl who tells him to go to this conquered, forsaken land of Israel, to this lowly prophet who lives in the worst part of a second-rate, third-world country, who gives him instructions to go to the dirty Jordan River and bathe not once or twice, but seven times. I'm sure he thought this is the stupidest, most ridiculous thing I've ever been asked to do. And Naaman doubted that God's prescription for healing could really do anything. But what Naaman didn't realize was that the power wasn't in the water. It wasn't in the water at all. There was nothing special about the Jordan River. But the power was manifested in the water by doing what God says. See, healing always comes from doing what God says. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So should you certainly obey him when he simply says, go and wash and be cured? So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and he dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. See, I think Naaman Naaman probably doubt, I think Naaman probably continued to doubt when he entered the Jordan River and on the sixth time he still came up a leper. I bet he even doubted then. But when the Lord says seven, six will not do. See, some of us 
God is asking us to dip seven times. Six won't do. Humility leads to obedience. The humble person makes no claim on God, but knows that God has a claim on him or her. When God asks for seven times, man, don't we try to get by with five or six? But see, God doesn't want that. God wants us to go the distance. The question is, will we? And God's not trying to try, t- not trying to tie conditions to his healing, but rather he's testing our obedience. Because we have to believe that God's way is better than our own. Now, we may not always understand his way of working, but by humbly obeying, we receive his blessings. And we have to remember that God's ways are best. God wants our obedience more than anything else. And God can use anything to accomplish his purposes, even if it seems basic and foolish to us. So why did Naaman, and why do you and I, for that matter, why do we have to take the downward descent in order to receive healing? Why must we have a compliant attitude to God's instructions? Well, Peter answers that question in 1 Peter 5. He says, And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. See, sometimes I think we have to come to the end of ourselves before healing comes. At times, I think we have to hit bottom before we can start up. We have to look at death before we can see life. We have to taste pain before we can experience joy. And we have to humble ourselves before we can feel the healing hand of God lift us up. And as long as God's arm is, as long as it is, he still chooses to touch us the most when we walk humbly before him, when we're desperate for him, to where all that we have is him and him alone to cling to. Not our pride, not our success, not our abilities or accomplishments, not our strength or our power, but only him and him alone. See, Naaman was that low. He was that desperate. And he finally humbles himself in complete obedience to the loving instructions of God's messenger. And in doing so, he's touched by God and healed in a way that he didn't expect. Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. And they stood before him and Naaman said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. And then Naaman said, All right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. And from now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. See, if leprosy defined his earlier life, then it was God's healing touch that later defined his later life. Having experienced the grace of God, he was changed, not only physically, but spiritually. Naaman went from a sick man to a healed man. He went from an ungodly man to a godly man, a lost man to a saved man. 
a great man to a gracious man. Here was a man that had felt the touch of God and he was changed forever. I need that touch. Do you? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we all desperately need the touch of God. The question is, will you and I humble ourselves before God so that he can touch us? Will you and I be obedient to his instructions so that he can heal us? Band, you guys can come up. How desperate are you for the Lord? See, when we get desperate, we will go to whatever lengths necessary to experience his touch and to feel his grace. Even when God says, humble ourselves by washing in a dirty river. Do you need God's healing touch today? What burdens are you carrying that you need him to take care of because you can't do it in your own strength and power? I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're going through. But I know that God desires to heal you. The question is, will we be humble? Will we be humble and do the things that God asks us to do? Will we step out of our comfort zones and ask for help and receive it? This time is for you, however God leads you. If you need to come up here and pray, there's nothing special about this altar. Just like the Jordan River, there was nothing special about it. It's just a symbol. It's a symbol of submission to our Lord, a symbol of obedience to say, God, my life is yours. Do what you want with it. Maybe you need to come up here and pray. Maybe you need to go back and be anointed and prayed over. I don't know what you need, but you need to let go of that pride because that pride will keep you from the healing that God has for you. So my prayer for you is that you will be obedient to whatever God leads you to do. So you respond as the band plays. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you that you're a loving God who desperately desires to heal us, Father. My prayer, Lord, is that we would let go of our pride. We would let go of anything that stands between you and us and your healing touch today. God, I also pray for all of those prayers that are up on the wall in the prayer room and for every person who is struggling, Lord, every person that is carrying heavy burdens, Lord, my prayer is that your hand would be in their lives. God, that your healing touch would be upon them and they would feel your presence as you work through their lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.